0: Okay, let's uh, get started. We've been in the book of Luke. And uh, we're on the Sermon on the Mount and right in the middle there, uh, the Beatitudes. And I want you to imagine yourself uh, being called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, following Christ all over the countryside of Israel and expecting the Kingdom to come at any time and uh, preaching of the Kingdom of God. Uh, your expectations are riding high as being a called apostle and those privileged positions that they were in. And so you're getting ready to meet a huge crowd down below as you come down from a mountainside to a kind of a plateau on that mountain. And you're going to hear Jesus preach after you've been called an apostle. And He happens to be preaching the Sermon on the Mount, that famous sermon that even unbelievers have heard of, people all down through the ages. Jesus starts out with a blessing. Blessed are and you have to like that you're blessed Don't, everybody likes to be blessed right however the positive message seems to take a quick downturn as jesus says blessed are the poor blessed are the hungry blessed are those who weep all of a sudden you're saying what what is this did i did i hear that right he just chose me as an apostle he said blessed are the the poor the hungry the weepers Boy, here's the Messiah. And this is the... I know He is, and we're His messengers. And isn't this just going to be wonderful? Isn't this going to be great? We're going to proclaim His message along with Him. We're going to be with Him. We're going to tell people about this good news of the kingdom that is to come and about forgiveness. Messiah is going to establish His kingdom. It's going to be all just beautiful. And Jesus is actually saying from the very outset, Okay, guys... Get ready. You're going to be hated. You're going to be ostracized. You're going to be insulted. You're going to be spurned. And that's how it's going to be. Blessed are you. And that's what he starts off with. Now the first three of these Beatitudes we've already covered and they show how the sinner sees himself as poor. He's poor in the spirit. That he is hungry. He has has nothing of the stuff that he needs. It's spiritual stuff. And that he's sorrowful, he is sorry for his sin, he's repentant. So the fourth one is how the world sees the sinner, and the world sees the sinner and whenever they hear the sinners or the 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 the, the world sees the this sinner who recognizes all this, and then they see that he becomes a believer, they start to hate him because of the things that he says and does. All of a sudden he's new, he's different, he doesn't hang out with them at the bars and hang out at all the wrong places with the wrong people. He doesn't do that. And he says you're going to be ostracized, not only hated, but you're going to be insulted, you're going to be spurned, that's how it's going to be, blessed are you, right? Right? <laughs> Well, you're going to be hated. You're going to be excluded. You're going to be slandered. You're going to be rejected as a Christian. I want you guys to get ready. I know I've just chosen you as apostles, and it's because you identify with me is the reason they're going to hate you. They're really hating me. And so He's telling them ahead of time how the world is going to respond to them and their message. Have you noticed that it kind of works that way today? And uh, of course, you think in the political realm, we stand for righteousness. but. What happens is that people are on the other end of the spectrum and it's unrighteousness. We stand for that. Well, they hate everything that we believe in, whether it be pro life or any of those other major issues. And uh, so here it is these guys have signed up to be followers of Christ. They were called, actually. It's quite a cost. It's a huge cost, and that's exactly what Jesus just throws out of here. Here's the, co- the cost of it. A disciple is not above his teacher. A slave is not above his master. What's the point? He's saying, if I'm your master, then if they mistreat Me, what are they going to do with you? They're going to do the same thing. Jesus said that. I didn't make that up, right? That was Jesus saying that. They're going to persecute Me And they're going to persecute you because they persecuted me. So we continue on with this uh, study of Luke and this sermon. Uh, We'll get one more blessing here and then go through the woes that uh, look to be very positive at first. They use positive terms. uh, But uh, it's a judgment on the unbelievers. So let's grab our Bibles and uh, let's uh, read that text out of the Beatitudes. Let's stand. We'll pick it up in verse 22. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of some of men. Be glad in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Let's pray. Father, what a text it is that we visit this beautiful Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus shows what it is to be a believer and what it is to be one who looks to be having a great life and yet without You they are nothing and judgment is waiting for them. We pray for guidance and power of the Holy Spirit to make this text come alive to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the... Ones when men hate you, rejected, they reject you. Now go to Matthew chapter ten. This is a chapter dealing with the cost. Cost of discipleship. Jesus is speaking here, he said hard statements very often. Matthew ten, sixteen, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of My name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whoever they persecute, whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes." Jesus speaks this forthright right to the apostles there in Matthew 10. They, they are given instructions and He tells the truth. Here's the way it is when you're a disciple of Christ. When you're an apostle, uh, so some of this is straight just for them and what they're doing, but yet it is also awarding warning to Christians down through the years who have had some of this same kind of persecution down through history. So I send you out a sheep in the midst of wolves. It's a wolf generation. And we are the sheep. You're going to go out there. They're going to try to eat you up. And uh, they will deliver up brother. It will be brother killing brother. It will be fathers killing their children. Children killing their fathers and their mothers. Uh, Literally, killing is even going to happen in the family. What are you talking about? That happened very early in the history of the church. Because when you stood for Christ, you went the opposite way. And you were going against uh, Judaism, what they all known. And so they either dismissed them from the family, uh, they ostracized them, they more or less kicked them out. They were not a part of the family. They were not part of the synagogue anymore. To become a Christian was really something that uh, separated you. You lost your job. And uh, many other things happened that uh, just continued on throughout the church history. still happens today. At uh, the same time, he's desiring to give them comfort as they will be delivering the gospel, a special comfort, a consolation. He says at John 15, verse 18, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were a friend of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I... That's good. Stop there. It's all about this is what it is to live the Christian life. Early Christians suffered greatly. Apostle Paul, we know before he became an apostle, hated these people, and of course he breathed threatenings and breathed slaughterings, threatenings of slaughterings against the Christians. And he acted out some of these things to people because one of them was Stephen, as he was giving wholehearted approval of him being stoned. And you know the story in... uh, Acts chapter 8 dealing with the stoning of Stephen. By the end of the first century this had developed quite uh, much uh, to a very high degree that uh, the Judaism in the synagogues they would try to smoke out any of the Christian Jews in the synagogue. And so, there it is. They were rejected. They're, they're hated that uh, we see in uh, John 15, 18 and 19. You've got to remember this is a spiritual quality here when we're talking about uh, all of these things. And the world cannot help but to hate those who are in Christ. Um, why is this? Well, the Christian who is filled with God's Spirit manifests righteousness out of his life people see it. When people see that righteousness, sometimes you don't even have to say a word. It's just there. They know who you are and they get highly offended because they are unrighteous but yet they are self-righteous. And so they get very angry uh, sometimes of the things that you believe in, the things that you don't do that they do, and vice versa. See, the world likes to think that it's really not all that bad. The world likes to think that it's pretty good. If you ask the question, uh, are you a Christian? Are you going to heaven? And they say, "Well," not necessarily a Christian, but I'm going to heaven. I've been pretty good. The world thinks that. The world thinks it's pretty good. It's an unrighteous world. If you turn to John 3, everybody knows John 3.16. Keep reading a few verses after that. In verse 19, and we have, This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light for the deeds were evil. See, they love the darkness. The light has come to the world. That's Christ. And of course, we are considered to be the light of the world because we're in Christ. Men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds are evil. They don't want to be exposed when the light is turned on. Now they feel unrighteous. Or you're thinking that I'm unrighteous. I don't like that. They hate that. They get to a point where they hate Christians. Um, when the world finds itself in certain kind of sins, whenever you see what the world is doing is telling on itself with what is happening in Hollywood and the, the Me Too and that whole thing that's going, it, uh, it's kind of ironic because that thing has been going on for a long time and everybody knew about it. And it was uh, you know, it's it just showing its sins constantly, and of course, uh, the, the Hollywood, uh, whether it be um, the overdose of drugs, it, it just goes on and on. Um, they redefine sin. It, it's not really sin. There's no such thing as sin. It's the only what you make it. We can do anything we want. God is the standard, isn't he? He is the standard. We don't make up the standards, and He is perfectly righteous. So, it comes down to two things. Either one repents and turns to the Lord for forgiveness. Or, you reject God's truth, you try to deny it, and even try to destroy it. That's just, there is nothing in between. It's either this or that. And so that's what Jesus is doing here as He puts forth this, uh, this, these truths. Uh, so we, we get the idea of what the, uh, the hating is. They might not ever say that they hate you, They you don't like what you're, you are about, what you stand for. The very people that would stand for killing babies that are unborn, uh, they hate your idea. Why is that? Because they want to have sex and nobody telling them that they can and can't do this thing. And, and uh, of course, that's why you have people living together. They just want to do whatever they want to do and not anybody tell them that that is wrong. So now it's the right thing. Everything is the right thing. Everything is upside down in this world. and So therefore, we're quite different than them. We think differently. We talk differently. We act differently. If we're not acting differently and we're not thinking differently, then we have to question, who am I really? And Jesus hits it on it uh, very much. So, uh, another word is uh, you'll be ostracized, and that means to be set off, to, to mark off the boundaries. You are discluded from our group, our people. Uh, you are you're different. We don't want you. You know that kind of thing. Uh, insulted, you'll be insulted, uh, reproached. and Everybody uh, knows what insulted is. Christians can be uh, insulted. Anybody can be insulted, but we know what that is. And So he's really saying, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to be following me, and this is what's, what they're going to do. They're going to scorn you. That actually means to drive out. It means to cast out. It means to send out. To send out away from maybe uh, your job. To be sent out away from the city. Uh, And of course, all the way into... uh, This is persecution all the way to the point of... Being tortured and killed—this is kind of thing, definitely happening all over the world, especially where the Muslims rule and reign. And of course, they have laws against Christians. There are other countries that don't have laws against Christians, so uh, they are to be protected. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But in the Muslim countries, uh, the the law is that they can they can kill you, and they do. Uh, many, First Corinthians four eleven through thirteen, and I am hearing that there are more being killed today than any other time in history. We're just not seeing it here in America, but we we do hear about it in the background occasionally. First Corinthians four verse eleven through thirteen. To this present hour, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians, and he uses some uh, language that seems backwards, you know, we're fools, fools for Christ's sake, right? So here he says, to this present hour we are both hungry and thirsty, and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. Now that since there is they're hungry and they're thirsty, we're talking about physical food and water, just the basic needs, clothes. Uh, They're roughly treated. They're homeless. They are not welcome. They're run out of town. And we toil working with our own hands when we are reviled. We bless when we're persecuted. We endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now." This is Paul. This is after he became an apostle. he He saw what it was really like. And I'll tell you what, we are spoiled and fat American Christians. A lot of this we have no idea what it is. I thank the Lord that we're not in that situation, but sometimes we just take things for granted we're taking our Christian lives for granted often. So he says blessed. You can be blessed, makaros. That means happy. You're happy when you're persecuted. Now what kind of sense is that? Well, Jesus said it. Why does this make you happy to be persecuted? That doesn't make sense. I don't want to get persecuted. Do you guys want to get persecuted? No. Nobody in their right minds want to get that. But this is one of the evidences of the Spirit of glory. It's one of the evidences that God rests upon you. These are the things that He promised. This is what's going to happen. People are going to differ from you and they're going to be angry whenever you talk about things that are righteous. Talk about Christ and such. The various ways in which happiness comes, we could all sum it up in one statement. Happiness comes in Christ, doesn't it? And because He got persecuted, and killed, and we count Him worthy, we see that Christians are also accounted worthy when that happens. He's the answer to our soul's desire, isn't He? Look in James 1.12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. There's your blessing. The crown of life. What do you think that might be? We'll get into that in a moment. Let's go to Acts five forty and 41. Early in the church. Here you have, uh, again the gospel being preached. Apostles getting arrested. They took his advice and after calling the apostles in and arrest, they flogged them. That's not taking a feather and just go tickling them a little bit. They beat them really good. They, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. And then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council. Here we go. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer suffer shame for His name. They were happy. They were blessed. They were joyful. They had been flogged. They had been persecuted. And they rejoiced because they suffered shame for Jesus' name. That's incredible, isn't it? Galatians 6.17 From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. What do you think the brand marks of Jesus are? The whelps. The stripes that they took. This is Paul telling the Galatians there, I have the very marks of Christ. He stood for Christ. He got beat many times, but yet he considered himself blessed. Be glad. Be glad in that day, as it says in our, in our Luke passage here in, uh, in Luke 6. For he says, Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day. Be joyful in that day. That you've had that privilege. If it comes, put on your dancing shoes. (laughs) Be exuberant. 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 14. Boy, the way of Jesus sounds so opposite, doesn't it? Especially in our American world that challenges our faith constantly to blend in with them and make make us look just like them. Make us talk like them and start to think like they do. And here's Jesus saying this, and then we have the Apostle Peter saying something that's very, very similar. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Strange? It's not strange. This is common. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ... Remember, it's the suffering of Christ. Keep on rejoicing. There's our be glad. Keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you keep your eye on Christ and know He's coming back, that's what we have to really, really shoot for, don't we? We live this life now, and it is a blessing, but ultimately we see that it's all worth it. And so that is what Peter says there. That there's a there's a crown of life. I was mentioning. What do you think that crown of life is? What's a reference to eternal life? Do you want the crown of life? Well, the way is very difficult. We just have mentioned many of them: uh, spiritual poverty, hungering, weeping, resulting in persecution, and then if you really believe that, you say, well, what I care about what they ultimately think about what I think and do to me in this life for preaching the truth? What do I really care? I understand that there is reward for me and there is eternal life, so they can even take my life. They can't ever take my communication with Christ, though, because I'll always be with Him. And we take the crown and we cast it at the feet of Christ. At that time... Given that reward. We see that I'm glad I was associated with him. And remember, in the same way, the fathers used to treat whom the bad way? The prophets. You're in some really good company. The prophets who stood faithful for God. James chapter one, verse twelve. What what did it say? Did we read that? I think I did. I think I read that but it would be good to read again here. Blessed be a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. If you love Him, you're a believer. If you're a believer, you love Him. You have the crown of life. Uh, The example of the prophets, we go back in the Old Testament, but we don't really have to do that. We can go right into Matthew chapter 23, verse 31. And it speaks about the prophets of Old, Old Testament. And this, Matthew 23, is the Woe chapter. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is Jesus. This is nice, gentle Jesus. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, I have neglected the weighty and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat, swallow a camel. Uh, Verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Prophets, they were killed. They were stoned. Israel, kill the true prophets of God. Those people who preached the truth, that's what they did. That's really what they were about. They became vilified. They were persecuted. Why? Because the message that they had is that Israel was wretched. They were evil. They were wicked. They were disobedient to God. They had everything given to them that they needed. And there was eternal judgment waiting for them. That's the kind of news the prophets did unless you repent. Good news was always there. They must cast themselves on the mercy and the grace of God. And His righteousness would be given to them. See, they, they, they lived through self righteousness. That's what they were about. So they killed the prophets, they killed the prophets, uh, the apostles, uh, uh, right after the time of Jesus, these apostles that He had pointed. They're still killing Christians today, throughout history. that is something that Jesus said would happen that is why it is good to count the cost about what happens when you become a Christian now those are the blessings (laughs) quite unique isn't it those are blessings there's the woes or the curses the blessings are to the poor. Now if you go down into verse 24, but woe to you who are rich. Blessed are the poor. Woe to the rich. And we're not necessarily talking about rich financially. It can be because money can definitely get in the way, can it? And if we have plenty of things, everything's going fine, why do we need God anyway? I don't need him, look, I'm doing great in this world, right? Of course, he can take that just like that. He says, woe are the, you who are rich. And we have to also look at it spiritually, because we looked at the poor in spirit. How about the, the rich who are not really rich, but they think they're rich? so they they are addressed here the woes reflect the prophetic tradition a woe warns of condemnation it is judgment jesus addressed the judgment of god to the callous rich the ones who were spiritually self righteous they're rich uh, all the other ones and so there we have the idea of uh, the course, we know the dangers of wealth, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, but the spiritual realm is really what we concentrate on, and these people are concentrating on earning their way into the kingdom of God. It's like the Pharisee, like in Luke 18, and the Pharisee is praying, and thank you God, thank you for that I am not like other men, I like this other man over here. And uh, the other man is beating his chest and saying, you know, he, he was re- repenting and because he knew he was a sinner. And he says, have mercy on me. That's the one who is blessed, isn't it? He? he knows he needs God's mercy. This guy doesn't even... He doesn't know he needs something because he has himself. He's self-righteous and he has his own self-righteous religion. Turn to Luke 16.14. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at Him. These are the religious people. Yes, they were filled with money, but they were filled with their self-righteousness, self-religion, thinking that they worshipped God, which they didn't. Woe to those who don't know they're poor! They don't know they're poor in spirit, but they are. Woe to those who are the ones who are hungry. They, when you're hungry, there's something there that you, want to be, you need. And you need to be satisfied. Well, they thought they were satisfied. The ones that are sad, woe to you. You're rejected. Why is a woe pronounced on them? Well, for one thing, they're receiving their comfort right now in full. Right here in this life, they're getting the blessings, the comfort. This is it. This is it. Enjoy it. What's after this? What's after this is a fire that's never quenched, a worm that never dies, it's horrible discomfort, it's eternal discomfort. That's what characterizes hell. And that's exactly why He says, Whoa! And so, uh, Jesus really addresses it. And so he contrasts the rich to the poor. Blessed are the poor, low to the the rich. The well-fed. That would be the ones who are satisfied. They're satisfied. They're content with their kind of lifestyle and everything they do. Their hypocrisy they're content with. They don't feel that they need anything. They're not hungry. They don't feel the hunger that the sinner feels because... They have everything spiritually. They've got it together. But woe to you because later on you're going to be hungry forever. Wow. Woe to you who are well fed now. Yeah, things might be going good, but there's a place for you and it's where gnashing of teeth is... Uh, it's the place that you'll never be satisfied and you will never find it. Can you imagine that? In a place that you can never, ever find any kind of satisfaction, no good news, no hope whatsoever from here on out. That's why Jesus makes this very clear. He's made it black and white. He starts right there with the poor and then He comes over here. Here's the rich. These are the ones who are... Believers, these are the ones who are not. And he says flat out there's going to be judgment. But he's also said for the other ones that there is the crown of life. Eternal life. Eternal hell. Happiness. Blessed. Right? Uh, Here it is. We're blessed. But woe to the one who laugh now You shall mourn and weep. Blessed are the ones who weep. They recognize their sin. They repent. They're blessed. But the other guys, they have no need for repentance. They're okay. And they're laughing right now. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, right? They're laughing. They're just enjoying everything in this kind of life where they do whatever they want to do. Woe to you that are happy with your religious achievement or any kind of achievement. They're smugly content with their selves, with themselves. They're happy with the morality that they have, which is immorality. It's an immoral nation. An immoral world that we live in. And the world wants more of the immorality. They live in it. They encourage it. They want you to be just like them, so they just give you temptations that you know that's wrong and you go right into it. You've been sucked into the world. That makes me happy though. Woe to you. He says, woe to you who laugh now, who are enjoying that now, that kind of lifestyle because I want to tell you, you have hell waiting for you. The tears will never stop falling. Never ending. One more. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Well, we like like it when people say good things about us. Sometimes it's good. It's good to have encouragement. But you know what? When everybody likes you and they like everything that you do and you don't dare say anything that some of the things that Jesus would say here, you don't offend them. And you know what? They like you. They'll speak well of you. But if you start saying some things about who Jesus is and what He really demands, all of a sudden, they don't have that same kind of desire for you. you know, they don't speak well of you. They, they, uh, the false prophets, they seek popularity, don't they? That's really what it's about. It, it's all about the, the money, the filthy lucre, the greed, the fame. False prophets are everywhere. False teachers, false preachers. They love popularity. But you'll notice when you're a Christian and you speak the truth, you're not really too popular. Popularity. Jeremiah 6, verse 13. Jeremiah, you remember him? The weeping prophet? Boy, he gave some news to people he didn't really want to give. And God told him that this is what you have to do. He didn't want to do it. But he did. For from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. That was what was happening in Israel. It was a mess. The religion was at that time. Chapter 8, verse 10. Therefore, I will give their wives to others, their fields to new owners, because from the least even to the greatest, everyone is greedy for gain. From the prophet even to the priest, everyone practices deceit. Chapter 14, verse 14. Then the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. I have neither sent them, nor commanded them, nor spoken to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, divination, futility, and the deception of their own minds. False prophets. God said, I didn't give them the word to do that. I didn't tell them to do that. Chapter 23, verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture declares the Lord woe to them right verse 9 as for the prophets my heart is brought these are all false prophets now it's not the true prophet this is what had come to this uh, uh, by this nation at that time Israel there were just a few good prophets and Jeremiah is having to go and tell them this he's not going to be popular is he As for the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble, I have become like a drunken man, even like a man overcome with wine, because of the Lord and because of His holy words. Wow. It's a land full of adulterers and such. Pollution. Verse 15. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I am going to feed them wormwood, and make them drink poisonous water. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, pollution has gone forth into all the land. Chapter 5, verse 30 and 31. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests rule on their own authority. And my people love it so. But what will you do at the end of it? Prophets are giving them nice, easy words to hear. And they love that. And the people love it, right? That's what had become of the good prophets, turned into evil prophets. Money, greed—it's about the truth. We have to preach the truth. He's telling them, the disciples, the apostles, there—you have to believe this truth. You must believe it, and when you do, there's a price that you have to pay. What does Jesus say? You're going to be persecuted. And I know at that time, people just owned that message. They took it in. They were, they were embracing Christ as their Messiah, as their Lord. And they saw themselves as sinners, and they were poor in spirit, and they repented and cried out for mercy. Are we the spiritually poor? Are we spiritually hungry? Are we spiritually sorrowful? Are we rejected? Do we cry out to God for mercy? God has given eternal riches, eternal satisfaction, eternal joy, eternal peace and acceptance. That's what a beautiful thing is here. And that's what Jesus has done in the weeks that we've studied here, blessed ours. But then He ends up with, are you the spiritually full, rich, happy, popular to whom God promises that they will have spiritual poverty? Eternal poverty, eternal emptiness, eternal sorrow, and eternal rejection. It's only two categories, aren't there? That's all there is. What is it that makes following Jesus make people want to give up their riches, their comfort, even friends? To do so, what would make you do that? What would make you even give up your family if it meant so? He, the, uh, Jesus says not to hate your family We're to love them, but what is he saying? He said you take the one, the thing that's very closest to you, and usually it's family. And these days, our our world is trying to diminish family. As a matter of fact, they would like to make family uh, a, a word that is totally out of realm the way that we think of it today. And of course, you look in Genesis, and you see it right off the bat. what Was intended for It's instituted by God, and it's being distorted on what it what it really is, and uh, homosexual marriages, and the multiple people living in a house together, and you just go on and on, and uh, it just uh, it's unrighteous, absolutely crazy, upside down. What is it that people will give? their lives for. What what makes that happen? Well, there's a very strong reason. It's the blessings which God, Jesus, gives that are eternal. It's not the temporal things of life that we go for, but it's the eternal things. We jump at that. When we find a treasure in the field, what do we do? We take it. So everything, we buy that, we get it. We know that that is the ultimate. That's that's satisfaction. Jesus gives the forgiveness of sins. Jesus gives the peace with God. He gives the joy and, and fellowship with Him and serving Him. Discipleship leads to what true blessings are. It's the greatest blessings. If you're a Christian, you've experienced those blessings. And even if it is the world's wealth and we don't have what you know, the American dream is or the, maybe even the health that we'd like to have or the praise of men, those things are not important when compared to eternal life, are they? And so we are so blessed that He's given us this joy and the peace and the comfort that uh, we continue to rejoice And praise God for that. What an honor it is to live in His kingdom. For if those things are yours now, you are satisfied, aren't you? You have been filled with Christ and that we say thanks. Lord, we praise You. We glorify Your name. And as we go out of here today, may we understand the person of Christ and what salvation is even more as it's important to us. It is our life. That we would not be taken in by the things of the world and and just do things that would be contradictory to your word that we live to honor you in, in all ways and may that really be our heart's desire and as we prepare to go to the baptism Lord we pray for these individuals and that as um, we the church here, back them up and we we extend the thanksgiving uh, that the Lord has brought them to Christ. They're showing that they have died to the old life and are now s- set free and are new and their sins are forgiven and we want to encourage them. Encourage them um, completely in every way as a body of Christ that they can grow and be strong in the Lord and We give You this glory, Lord, this day. In Jesus' name, Amen.